Hello, welcome to the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Zach Green. And I'm Luca DeLosta. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the Washington Capitals and their recent success, eventually getting healthy. We'll jump into some NBA action. A lot of big games happened recently. Then we'll shift over to the NFL, talk about the upcoming playoff, or the playoff race for the upcoming playoffs, just about a week or so away. And then the DeMar Hamlin Bengals Bills situation that happened this last Monday night and how that has progressed. Let's jump right into it. And so let's start, Zach, with the Washington Capitals. You and I, big fans of the Washington Capitals, started their season very, very, very slow. Obviously, very injured team, finally starting to get healthy. And starting with that, are the Caps now cup contenders with their players coming back? Well, I mean, if you look at it now, they have the players to do it, and they have the experience. They definitely have the caliber type of players because, you know, Tom Wilson, one of the best defensemen, John Carlson, you know, always very, very solid. You know, Alex Ovechkin, what more can you say about him? He's been on a tear, breaking Gordy Howe's record. So, I mean, you have so much at your disposal. You know, new like younger players like Nick Dowd, Martin Ferravari. You know, you have Nicholas Baxman coming back, TJ Oshie. There's so much like talent. It's 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 exciting to watch because when they get hot, I mean, they get hot. They only lost four games in the month of December. Talk about a holiday gift. It really and. You're right. The young core that they have with a few players, Faravari, I love that you point him out. He is really growing as a defenseman. His earlier seasons, I had questions about him watching him play, but he is really in, like obviously Carlson out right now for what I believe is the next couple months with an injury. Him and Carlson have really, really blended well, and that's what you need. You need a strong defensive core, and if they can keep this, they can keep going and. That brings me to my next question is what team in the NHL, if you look at the playoffs, the wild card standings right now, what team would you not want the Caps facing early on in the playoffs? I feel like just because of the mental block, probably the Penguins. Because, you know, they're they can get hot, you know, obviously of a great Sidney Crosby. But when you play a team like that, you know, even if the Caps have won twenty more games than them, it's still the mental block, and the rivalry is there. And games like that, when you know the team really well, you're always going to have close games. So, I mean, you can say that about any sport. Like, you know, if you were the Bengals, would you want to play, you know, the Ravens in the first round? Like, there's always stuff that you that you know and you can build off of. So that can be kind of scary. The Penguins definitely, as you said, you could have 20 games at hand, but the fact that they do know each other is a very good point. And you know that the energy is going to be there in the building from the fans if the Caps play the Penguins, which they do this month later. But the team that I do not want to see the Caps play is either the Hurricanes or the Bruins. We've seen them play them in recent playoffs, and they have not had recent success against the Bruins. I mean, you and I watched a lot of that series, what was it now, two seasons ago, last season? And they really struggled. Yeah, they have a different team than what the team was back then, but... And then the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are tearing it up. Rod Brindamore has done a phenomenal job down in Carolina with turning that franchise around. They were kind of a fluke franchise for a while, and then all of a sudden they're a team that is consistently at the top of the Eastern Conference playoff contenders. But the Caps seriously could win in the playoffs, 
but will they win the Metro? And as the Hurricanes are in that division, it's a tough one to do, but you're talking about Tom Wilson coming back, a guy who is really valuable to a penalty kill that is sort of average. They're the 11th, but can they win the Metro? I mean, yes. I mean, they are tied with the Rangers for third place, but 48 points, only three points behind the Devils, who are in second with 51, and then Carolina in first with 56. So you're going to have to beat good teams if you want to win the division. And, you know, we talked about this a lot in school. The stupid miscommunication mistakes in overtime. The past two overtime games, they've had the stupidest mistakes was Kuznetsov running into an own man and then Kemper just, you know, flailing a stick behind the net and then it gave an easy, you know, right over the shoulder goal for the Sabres. So, I mean, you got to win games like that and you got to win. I mean, you you still get a point in overtime, but, I mean, it's so frustrating as a fan because... You know, they can, they're getting good shots and good opportunities, and then, you know, just craziness happens. Yeah, and how about goaltending? The Caps, you mentioned Darcy Kemper, but how's their goaltending been as of recently? I mean, you got a good duo back there in net. Yeah, and Kemper with a 2.58 goal, goals lap percentage and 9.916 save percentage. So, you know, three shutouts, tied for league high. He's been pretty good as of late. The games we went to, we may, you know, he's had some questionable goals scored on him with the awareness of a turtle. And then, you know, Lindgren, he's been playing great. 2.57 goals allowed percentage, 9.14 save percentage, and 11 wins in 18 games. So for a young goalie, that's pretty good. Yeah, and it's really weird because the numbers really show that Kemper's a very good goaltender. And he's I'm not taking away from his ability in net, but... As you said, the games we've seen, as especially in person, is there's just there's that little part of his game, and we saw it last night or two nights ago against the Sabers. There's little things in his game where it's like, if he can fix those last couple things, he would be top ten in safe percentage, top ten in goals against average. He's already top ten in shutouts. There's just that next step he has to reach. Obviously, Kemper towards the end of his career, he's really looking to just finish it out probably here in Washington hopefully with a cup. Definitely, and, you know, the Caps are such a fun team to watch, and, you know, they have such, you know, many, so many stories on their team. You know, Ovi, who's getting, you know, I feel like he's scored in his past 10 games by now. He's getting, you know, one goal, two goal, three, like, he he's still cooking at, you know, at 37 years of age. So I know, he's playing like he's in his, like, late 20s. It's crazy. So it's so fun to watch, and I'm excited to see where they go and hope they don't fall in the second round to the Penguins. We'll just have to see. But with that, let's move over to the NBA. And I know you're very happy about the NBA, especially as of recently. And why don't we just start it with how about that Donovan Mitchell performance? 71 points. And the thing, I'm not taking away from him, but it didn't really get recognized as much in the sports world that night because that was Monday night and that was when the unfortunate accident happened with DeMar Hamlin. But, you know... Not taking away from the Hamill situation or Donovan Mitchell situation, but my oh my, was that, I mean, and look how they went to overtime and the Cavs won. He did kind of a Luka where he kind of, he had a really high arc and free throw, bounced off the rim to the right, he like fell for it and then put it up as a layup and it went in to tie the game at 130. So my, my fam, some of my family members were at the game and they said it's the loudest the arena's ever been. So... 
71 points, and he's just crazy. It, it really is, and he has been everything the Cavs paid for in that offseason trade. There's no way you can say Donovan Mitchell has disappointed in this trade. He has brought so much to a Cavs team, especially this year where you're seeing Darius Garland on and off the injury report. You have a guy like Donovan Mitchell who can get you 71 points in a game. It's pretty cool. And as you mentioned, Luka Doncic on December 27th, a couple of days back, also had that historic 60-20-10 triple-double. And how about that performance? That was crazy, and they went to overtime the same way the Cavs did. So, I mean, and Luka's celebration after had some people laughing. But Luka Doncic is... He's so good, and it he makes it seem so effortless because, I mean, for his size, he does a lot of stuff that some guards really can't do. So to be able to score at the rate he is and be, you know, top some of the, you know, at the top of the MVP race in some people's opinion, it, it it's mind-blowing that someone that size and, you know, that body type can do what he does. It really is, and with that, you have these big players who have had historic performances already this year. You know this year is going to be a crazy NBA year. So what teams have surprised you so far this year? It's I probably have to go with the Pelicans because I mean Zion Williamson, he said, you know, I'm not going to sit in here and say, you know, he's the next LeBron, but he's played, you know, after all that injury and backlash and media, you know, fire on his you know, he's kind of carrying, he, he's had a lot of proof, and I think he's proved it. He's, you know, he looks very, very athletic, very agile, and, you know, Brandon Ingram, they're all playing very, very well, and, you know, the NBA Power Rankings come out weekly, and they always find themselves in the top five. They really do, and another team from that Western Conference that surprised me is the Sacramento Kings, and I just can't get away. The fact that on draft night, when they drafted Keegan Murray, people were mad. Keegan Murray was a phenomenal player at Iowa, and there was a reason he went that high. And he has banked for them, and that has pushed them, along with Kevin Herter shooting in crazy percentage from beyond the arc, into the fifth spot in the West. You're talking about a team that was top five draft pick last year, now fighting for playoff contention, and they're playing really well. It's pretty impressive, and uh, I think they're a team to watch out going forward. And... You know, you asked me what teams have surprised me. What teams are kind of underperforming? And, you know, it doesn't have to be a team that came in expecting to win the championship, but a team that's just, you know, not doesn't really have all the right pieces to their team. The team has to be the Lakers. And I think that's a generalization around the league and people who watch the league is the Lakers. You still have LeBron there. You have Anthony Davis there. Yes, Anthony Davis is, I believe, out for the season. But you also have Russell Westbrook. That team is not clicking. They are outside of a play-in spot right now. They are been near the bottom of the Western Conference. They're very, very, very underperforming this season. And when you talk about that, and you know, Russell Westbrook's had his flashes over the past, you know, three or four years. The, the season where he had all the triple doubles. I mean, he's he's always going to do something where you're like, dang he can really do that. But then he's going to have nights where he shoots, you know, 0 for 9 and just shoots it off the top of the backboard four times. So you never really know what you're going to get with him. And Anthony Davis, you know, always kind of, like you said about Darius Garland, always having some sort of injury in a way. LeBron, 
he's still not what he was, you know, three or four years ago, but he's still playing at a very, very high level on, with some of the best of them, you know, it's LeBron James. But when you look at the NBA, it's, it's shifted in a way to where, you know, more teams now with younger kind of more rising players are doing better than the teams, you know, in the past couple of years that have just had one superstar. And it's evident because, I mean, if you were to look at the Cavs team a couple of years ago, they would get probably blown out by, you know, maybe the Sixers or like the Cavs now because all this talent around them with all these good players coming out of college. It really, anyone you give the ball can score and they can do it with ease. So it's very dangerous. But the last part of the NBA that I want to talk about is the rookies so far. Who has been your favorite rookie to watch throughout the season so far? Probably have to go with Boncaro. He makes it, I mean, at the age he is and so young, he makes it look easy and averaging 21 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, and four assists per game. It, you know, on the magic that you have some young, good pieces and they could be pretty decent in a couple of years, but he's just so fun to watch. He makes you seem like, wow, at that age, he can really do that. I mean, he's everything you've expected so far from the number one pick out of Duke. My surprise has been Jalen Duran, the second first-round pick that the Detroit Pistons had along with Jaden Ivey. Duran averaging seven points per game and a rookie-high eight rebounds per game, shooting over 60%, but he's only started 13 games this season. In those 13 games, he's averaged 11 rebounds, eight points, and two assists. So he's really, really fitting in a Detroit Pistons team that is also kind of underperforming. underperforming. But they're a team to watch out. They have some very good young talent. I'm not saying as good as the Cavaliers, but they're a team to watch out for the next couple of years. And the Pistons have struggled this year with injuries. Kate Cunningham not going to play again this season. Marvin Badgley, I think, just went down with the injury for a couple of weeks. So definitely a team that's kind of been under the radar this season. And now we would like to shift into the NFL kind of Bengals-Bills DeMar Hamlin situation, which will then lead us to the playoff race. So this game, very, very unprecedented. Nothing like this has ever happened in the NFL. You know, even a game starting and then at not being able to finish, you know, for weather or something like that. And nevertheless, a cardiac arrest, which is very, very sad. But I'll just start it off with kind of how the game was going until it happened. There was 5.58 left in the first quarter with first and 10 at the 48. They own 48 for the Bengals. The Bengals, this was their second drive. Burrow was 4 for 4 for 52 yards and a touchdown going to Tyler Boyd. Josh Allen was 3 for 6 going for 33 yards. Diggs having 26 of those yards, so already more than he did the previous week. So they wanted to get him involved early. And then their set, Bengals had 7, Bills had 3, and that came from a 25-yard field goal from Tyler Bass. So, Luca, what was your kind of first reaction when you heard about this? I mean, I was watching it, and you see a player go down, and you saw him get up, and then you saw him go down, and you saw him wobble a bit before he, like, as he was going down, you maybe maybe concussion, especially after all you've seen this year. But then you see them go to commercial break, and then they come back, still down. You go to commercial break, he comes back, now there's a circle. You go to commercial break, come back, now there's an ambience. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take a step back and see what actually is going on here. Just time kept going and going, and silence among the stadium you could hear through your TV. Like It was really a chilling, chilling moment. And I was texting my friends. I was like, wow, a 
three commercial injury is uh, you don't really see those unless you know it's like a the Dak Dak's ankle or a you know a really bad you know foot or ACL injury. But that was really you know that you they came back from commercial and you hear Lisa, Lisa Salter saying he's getting chest compressions. And that was like what I was texting you know I was texting you I was texting my other friends like did he just die on the field and that was like like wow it and the hit wasn't even that bad it was t higgins you know bart scott can say what he wants t higgins it was a routine nfl play he was lowering his shoulder going down and it hit and it hit him in the chest and for that to happen it's so sad and it makes you realize like how short life is and that could really happen to any defender at any time and any nfl player really and especially in a game this big, it was such kind of made this thing even worse because this was such a highly anticipated game, you know, for the week and nevertheless the year. Very, very sad. And then what do you think about T. Higgins getting these death threats? It's not acceptable. And you saw, I believe, DeMar Hamlin's father the other day came out and said that the hate towards T. Higgins needs to stop. And he didn't, as you said, he didn't do anything wrong. He was playing football, and I mean, he was at the hospital along with some other players from 11.40 at that night to, to the morning to make sure that he, DeMar Hamlin, was okay. We also saw Stefan Diggs go to the hospital. T. Higgins really, really felt bad. I mean, you saw him with his mom at, in the hallways at, in the stadium with his mom around. I mean, he, he felt so bad, and it's just so unfortunate that he got so much hate for this. And a lot of stuff also kind of sprouted after this skip bayless tweeted something very controversial that people say you know he could have been right about but the timing was so so bad and that caused shannon sharp to miss a day of undisputed and now shifting back to the nfl side of things tuesday they announced that it won't be resumed this week and just about a couple hours ago they said that it won't be resumed at all so i think they're going to call it a no result as if it didn't happen which would then lead to the Bengals winning the AFC North as they played a game less than the Ravens and have two less losses. So with one game to go, you mathematically can't get tied with them. So it just it's such an unfortunate situation that I mean, in a stadium and stage this big that that had to happen. And I don't know how you feel about kind of how it affects the whole, you know, seeding in the NFL in the scenarios, but I want to hear what you think about that. The first thing I have to say is, though, I have to give props to the NFL to not make a decision on what to do about this game as a whole until they made sure DeMar Hamlin was okay. News broke this morning that he was awake and conscious. He was writing, communicating with doctors through writing. So I was really happy to see that the NFL didn't do anything until they knew that DeMar was okay. Seating-wise, again, it doesn't really affect me as a fan because I'm a Ravens fan. I know we're not going to be fighting for that top spot, but it just... It really spices everything up because you don't know what they're going to do. So it, it's really everybody's in the same boat. Nobody knows what's happening. You kind of just play at your highest level and you do what you can to win, and that's all you can really do. And then one more thing. You think about it from the player's perspective. I mean, they're supposed to go around now on Sunday and play another game, and that's just that, that would be so hard to do, and to turn around that fast after witnessing a traumatic event, you know, it could be in public they witness the event and still not be okay. And 
thing that I really admire about Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor's Zach, there were you know speculation whether they're going to resume play or not, but there were some players were warming up, and then Zach Taylor walked over to Sean McDermott, and Sean said, "I have to be at the hospital with Demar right now." And Zach, you know the you know being a class act, saying, "You you know do what you need, to go ahead." And they all went back to the locker room, and at that point, I mean I pretty much think we all knew that they weren't going to come back out and play again, and then the news broke. So a very very unfortunate situation. See how the rest of the NFL plays out. You know, they could change some stuff around. That'll be interesting. But just a very sad situation, which then leads us to the NFL playoff race if you want to kick it off. I mean, playoff race is still alive, very alive, both conferences. AFC a little bit more alive than in the NFC. But the NFC, let's start with, you got the Eagles clinched, the Vikings clinched, the 49ers clinched, the Buccaneers clinched, the Cowboys clinched, and the Giants clinched. In the hunt, you still have Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay. I believe Green Bay is the favorite out of those three teams to make the playoffs. But out of those three teams, which team do you think is going to make the playoffs? Seattle and Detroit aren't winning in. Seattle needs to win in. Detroit to win to get in. Detroit needs to win and Seattle to lose. So, I mean, and out of the three teams, I would probably say Green Bay is the best team and the best right now because they are rolling. Which, you know, you don't want Aaron Rodgers to get to catch some fire under his belt. You know, last year they had, you know, the unfortunate situation with the blocked punt in the divisional round after they got the one seed. But I, you know, no Devontae Adams or what, but I would not want to play Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs while he's on this kind of roll. At least, most likely, whoever's playing him or whoever is playing him, if they make it in first round, will not be playing in Lambeau Field in Green Bay, as it is frozen up there now, right now in this time of year. But for the AFC, you have the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Ravens clinched. You have the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Steelers, and the Titans still in the hunt. What is your, What are your thoughts on the makeup of that so far? Well, the Titans and Jaguars are pretty interesting because that's winning in, and whoever doesn't win, I believe, is out. I think. Don't quote me on that. But, you know, the Titans, if they were to win and just sneak in, I would be so mad because they're going to be a first-round exit. And for them to host a playoff game is such ludicrous. And (laughs) I don't think they'll win, but, you know, they they might. The Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals, you know, coming into this past game, battling for that one seed. Bengals are out of it now if they call it a new game. So for the Bills to get it, I think – I think the Bills would have to win and the Chiefs would have to lose. And then as long as the Chiefs win, they should be in. They play the Raiders. You know, you don't know how that's going to play out. Chargers, first time for Justin Herbert being in the playoffs. Ravens, you don't know who their QB is going to be. You know, Chargers and Ravens still battling for that 5-6 and six seed to see, you know, what is what. But it's very, it's a such a weird situation because, you know, you can talk now about the Eagles can't, the season they've had, they can they still might not even get the one seed. Exactly. I mean, that comes with how well the Vikings have been this year. And speaking of the Vikings, this will be their first playoff appearance since 2019. But Kevin O'Connell has really changed the attitude up in Minnesota, and they've really brought it to the Eagles, who seem like they're about to run away with the NFC. Absolutely. Slowed down. Obviously, they lost Jalen Hurts, and that's a huge loss to that team. But if they don't get the one seed in the NFC, I think it would be a huge surprise to many, many people. 
and a scare for Philly. As you said, they might have a first-round exit if they don't get that one seed, and that's definitely a possibility. But the Ravens, we're legitimately looking at a situation where Anthony Brown might be playing a playoff game. You have Lamar's still not at practice. Tyler Huntley was limited this today and is suspected to have something with his shoulder. Anthony Brown, a guy who was on the practice squad at some point this season, is probably playing this week against the Bengals and potentially in the playoffs. Not a good look for the Ravens. And you look at that and a team in the AFC that I would not want to play right now, the Chargers, they are rolling. Everyone is getting back healthy. You know, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, it's it's kind of a, you know, le- look at these offenses in the AFC, kind of a lesser, like, Bengals attack. And you have all those receivers, a great running back. But the whole situation is very, very confusing because of what happened. So you don't know, you know, what's going to do what. And if I were the Vikings, I don't know how that would play out, but I would not want to play the Packers again. After what just happened and what Jair Alexander did to Justin Jefferson, because that was, that saved a lot of people fantasy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the Giants making their first appearance since 2016, you know, they could go on a little bit of a run. You don't know how Daniel Jones is going to play because he, he can still play solid and they might lose because, you know, if they get into like a shootout type of thing with the 49ers, you know, maybe even the Buccaneers right now, that was not, that's not something I would want to do. And speaking of the 49ers, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is going to be playing in the playoffs, leading this 49ers team that has really strangely found a ton of success with Brock Purdy ahead. And he has not played terribly. Yes, they have a very, very elite defense. And yes, they have Christian McCaffrey. And yes, they have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel as well. That's a team to watch out for. And they've always seemed to get it done at least one game in the playoffs. So, Luca, I want to ask you right now, what is your early NFL Super Bowl prediction? My early NFL Super Bowl prediction has to be, I think I'm going to stick with the Chiefs in the in AFC. I'm going to ride the Chiefs bandwagon through the playoffs. But out of the NFC, I, I would really not be surprised to see the 49ers somehow squeak their way all the way to that Super Bowl. They seem to always just get it done in the playoffs. For mine... No bandwagon type stuff. I probably have to go with the Bengals. They have, they did it last season. I think they can probably do it again. To, you know, not to bite on Demar Hamlin, but they looked like they were going to be rolling in that in that Bengals Bills game, and you know, that's something I like to see. But out of the NFC, I don't think they will. But I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't count out the Buccaneers. I mean, Tom Brady rolling. Yeah, Tom Brady's that guy. And if that defense plays consistent through two halves like we saw in the Bengals game when they you know kind of flunked and the offense flunked as well but if they can be consistent they could possibly make a run and watch out you know like you said watch out for the 49ers Brock Purdy you know he doesn't need four touchdowns a game to win be consistent you probably have a top three running back to hand it off to so I mean a lot of great matchups you could see in the Super Bowl every you could see that every year but a lot of cool situations That has been Zach Green, Luca DeLosta. Thank you for listening.